Welcome to Female Inner Power, the podcast for women who don't want to choose between work success and life happiness. I'm your host, Nomi Melkyonatan, leadership coach and courage catalyst. Each week, I will share a refreshingly honest conversation about how to trust your intuition, lead from female power in male-dominated spaces, and inspire you to be a more confident force for good in the world. Are you ready? Welcome, welcome to another episode of Female Inner Power. Today's conversation is with Kareem Gail Fagan. Kareem is a VP at uh, Christian Dior. She's also a board advisor for Girl Wonder, which is an organization dedicated to empower young women of color, and she helps through mentorship and guidance. When you listen to this conversation with Kareem, I hope you will delight as much as I did in our conversations, particularly around community and her upbringing and her family members. Because as we were talking, I was noticing how much beauty and wisdom and usefulness actually there is in what she had learned from her grandmother, um, from her parents in how to give, how to create community and how actually to nourish talent, how to look after each other without creating pressure. I really hope you'll contemplate some of the things that she shares here and get curious, not just jealous about why didn't I have that in my family or in my upbringing, but get curious about how could you do for others some of the things that she shares here in a way that's of course good and healthy to you. So I don't really want to say anything more because this is really one of those where you want to listen to the stories Karim tells you and then let it touch you and then see how it might impact you in the way you show up in your power and in the way you show up helping others be in their power. So let's take a breath. And dive in. Kareem, welcome to the Female Inner Power podcast. I am so happy to have you here. Numi, I'm so delighted to be with you. Thank you for welcoming me. I have many topics that I'm curious to talking to you about, but I'd love <laughs> first if you could share where in the world are you? What does your world look like right now? Just so that, you know, we can familiarize ourselves a little bit with your world. Yeah, I so I live in Long Island, New York in the US. And I uh, I've actually lived here with my family for a little over 10 years now. We moved from Brooklyn. Uh, so we still kind of rep Brooklyn. That's just how it is. Once you've lived in Brooklyn, you definitely have to represent Brooklyn at some point. Uh, but yeah, we've lived here for a little over 10 years now with my family. So I live with my 13-year-old daughter, she's about to be 13 and then in two weeks, and that's a whole whole topic of conversation. My husband and my four-year-old, my delicious four-year-old. 
very, very cute, who I've seen a couple of years ago with a little bow tie appear on a Zoom screen. And I just wanted to like take my hand through this Zoom screen and just like cuddle him because he was just so, I mean, I, is there something you put on a bow tie and a little kiddo, um, oh, yeah. which I still didn't understand. So in his nursery, they wear bow ties or what was they, it? Like they, you- they wore uniforms. He doesn't wear uniforms now, but he did. He did wear uniforms. And it's interesting because he went to a a uh it was actually a daycare but like a preparatory school and uh it was a caribbean ran uh school and they take the structure that we have in jamaica which all kids wear uniforms and so they bring it to the school and so he's been wearing well he was wearing a uniform since he was two years old uh until he transitioned to uh, pre-K where he now just wears whatever he wants to wear but it was cute he's still still so cute funny (laughs) um I definitely want to talk to you more about your Jamaican um background but before we do that what does female inner power mean to you yeah uh female inner power to me means being authentically unapologetic and for me, the the unapologetic piece is is really eye opening and mind blowing when I think about it. Because for so many years in my life, it was you know you couldn't show up as yourself, and you kind of said sorry for a lot of things that you didn't do right. But now I'm in this space where you have a level of confidence and you have a level of comfort, and so I show up as me. And sometimes that doesn't necessarily align with everything that looks like everyone else around me, but that's okay because you're being yourself and you're being who you are. And that's what's most important. So female inner power to me means being authentic, but in a very unapologetic way. So let's go a little bit deeper on that. And when I realized Mm -hmm. this, when you introduced yourself, you shared about the kids and the husband and your location, but not what your world of work looks like. And I'm wondering, yeah, I mean, did you notice that? (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, it's for for the longest time, you kind of lead with that, right? You know, you're in these spaces and the first thing someone will ask you is, what do you do? And I am a vice president of human resources at Parfums Christian Dior. And that is what I do. That is what I do. And that is what I love that I get to do many hours a day, a week, but that's not all that I do. And so I'm not always going to lead with that because at the end of the day, I am a mom. I am a wife. uh, I, we have a home, we have homes and that also is a big chunk of my day-to-day and not just my career. And so I don't always lead with my career because that's not all that's important to me. I mean, so important. And, and you're totally right that this, what do you do question is is the most common yeah. one and the one we first do to sort and sift through people. And I remember being 25 and being on sick leave from work. And I just was like, oh, meeting new people and just, don't ask me that question because yeah. it was the worst yeah. question that that 
that period. So I do think we can ask more interesting questions like uh, what is something that has made you happy this week? Or, you know, what are you excited about at the moment? Or what gives you the most joy right now? Like we can definitely have different entry points to, (laughs) to connecting with another human. And yet it's so... basic like I need to figure out what kind of human you are so if you tell me what you do then I'll know something about you right and then if we take it to a whole nother level and depending on what you do and where you do it that may then determine how I decide to approach you how I decide to continue to engage with you how I decide that I'm going to treat you and I don't want all that I don't need all that um and if I give you I remember I was in Italy with my friends for my birthday this year and I had a big birthday this year and I and I went with all my friends and uh wherever we went that seemed to be a topic of conversation so I was on on the 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 bus that takes you to the airplane leaving Milan and a woman came up behind me and she said what exactly do you do and I said, excuse me, because I was still taken aback and surprised by the question. Oh, um, you, 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 you know, you girls look great. What exactly do you do? And I, I said, I'm in human resources, which isn't always as sexy as people think it's supposed to be. So like, I'm not an influencer. I'm not any of that. I, I'm in human <laughs> resources. Like, oh, okay. But a random stranger, I'm just about to step onto the plane. And so it's, I don't know. It's a, it's the question's a little bit triggering for me because there's so much more to an individual than just what they do. Totally. And I wonder what her facial expression would have done if you'd said, Oh, I work at Dior. If you hadn't said, Oh, I work in human resources. If you, if you had like sort of name dropped Dior, whether that would have changed something. I mean, I got there eventually because the conversation kept going and she's like, Oh, you get that. You, You know, you get, Oh, as if, well, that now makes sense to me. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. So I don't lead with that. I don't lead with that. And not because I'm not proud, because I'm quite proud of where I am and what I do and the people that I get to work with and the impact that I have uh, through the work that I am doing and with the experience that I've had. But it, there's there's a bit of... Uh, pretentiousness that comes with it as well that I don't I don't necessarily want to live in that space based on the perception that folks have when they hear that okay so this makes me think about and I've never thought about it that much, but I've mm. now been around some other people that talk about, okay, well, there's a different way when you work in the luxury industry or mm-hmm. luxury brand industry. And then the culture, I mean, I think one of the mm-hmm. privileges I have of listening to humans and when I get to listen to like, let's say 10, 15 or more humans within an organization, I get a feel for that culture that isn't sometimes matches what's on their website and sometimes is yeah. slightly different. You get to feel yeah. for what's it really like to working there. Um, what have you learned about cultures? And because what I know, and, and so just for anyone <laughs> like wondering, I know you spoke incredibly complimentary about the culture at Dior mm, and mm-hmm. that, you know, it isn't like, oh, well, then you have to be stuck up or a certain kind of human. Tell yeah. me more about what you've learned about culture and you work in human resources and you know, yeah. you're involved in shaping and creating culture. Yeah. And, and I will speak about culture 
overall in the luxury industry and some of the perceptions that comes with that. And I think it's it's some of what you've just shared about it being very specific. And I do think in some instances it is very specific. I mean, I just had breakfast with someone uh, yesterday who said to me that, you know, she was uh, speaking with a candidate and, uh, you know, the company that she could, she was introducing the candidate to essentially said, you know, that she doesn't fit, fit. And I, and I do not like the word fit, uh, that the person wouldn't fit into our culture here because she doesn't have the look and feel of the brand, right? And I think that many times in the luxury industry, you will you will hear that. You will hear that. Now, uh, from a culture that I'm going to align myself with, I that that that's not going to work in that way for me because we need to be able to invite folks into the culture that's going to add to the culture, and that's going to, you know invoke different thinking, a diversity of thought, a diversity of, you know, a way of being. And so for me, it's important that we look for folks that are going to be creative, that are going to be innovative, that are going to sometimes challenge the way that we've done things. And that's okay. And the culture that we have started to build is very much that. And it's not stuffy. We're here to really work hard and do great work, but in a humble way. Uh, and we're going to have a good time. I need to work somewhere where we're going to have a good time. We want to create a culture where we're going to have fun, uh, but work really, really hard. And so it's not, it doesn't necessarily always fit that, that box of what folks see as luxury. And when folks come into our offices, that's important too that they feel that this that this doesn't necessarily make me feel tight, that you can relax and you can drop your shoulders and you can come in and do the great work that you know that you're bringing to the table in your own unique way. And so a lot of what I've learned being in the luxury retail space has been, I've needed to create my own definition of what's important to me that aligns with the brand. And so when I'm talking to folks about being in luxury retail, they definitely come with this perception. But a lot of times we dispel a lot of that. Uh, now we do sell beautiful things that are not uh, always, they're attainable if you wanna spend that money, right? I'm in beauty, so beauty is easily, uh, more easily attainable than if we're talking about fashion. Uh, but it's it, it doesn't feel that it's an environment where it's not something that you can be a part of. It's certainly a family feel, which is not always the same for many retailers. So if we go back to where you started a little while ago about being unapologetically authentic, mm -hmm. when did you like, I, so did you just walk out of your mother's womb and you were just, I mean, because when I met you, I just kind of assumed that you were always just authentically Kareem and just showing up in your power because that's yeah. the impression I had of you. But has it always been like that for you? No, not at all. Not at all. And, you know, I stepped into the work, 
in my work environment in the, the corporate world, straight out of college, just bright eyes, excited to be here, right? So I was excited to be here. Do it, I'll do whatever I gotta do uh, to feel accepted, to uh, assimilate, which is a very interesting word when I think about it. Uh, and I also had the guidance from my uh, my parents and bless my mom. She, you know, she's, you, you know, the advice, you go into work, you put your head down and you do what you need to do. You put your head down and you do what you need to do. Also, for me at that time, meant you don't ruffle feathers, you don't really speak up, you're in meetings and you just take everything in. I don't have a voice. And that's what that that is what that equated to to me at that time. I was quite young. Uh, I started in the corporate world at 21 years old. So I graduated at 21 and then it, it took me no time at all actually to land my first role. So I didn't necessarily have that challenge and that struggle that a lot of folks that graduate university right away have. And and I stepped in and I was quiet. Quiet, quiet, quiet. And I think back now on myself then, and I think part of that was my upbringing of me wanting to, you know, coming to America very early at eight years old and my parents teaching me that, you know, you have something to say, of course, but you don't necessarily, you, you also got to make this paycheck. So you want to get your paycheck and you want, and you work at a really good company. So be quiet, you know, so you come here and you just do your work and it didn't serve me well. And so, you know, I, I didn't seem as if I was engaged, uh, folks were getting promoted and I wasn't necessarily being promoted as quickly. I think that I had great relationships, but they, it still wasn't getting me to where I needed to be. And I saw my peers really moving more quickly than I was. And I think, in, in hindsight and in taking a look back, part of that was because I didn't have a voice or I didn't use my voice the way that I should have. Uh, I didn't have someone, you know, they always say your, your feet, um, your name is being spoken in rooms that your feet hasn't even made it into yet. That wasn't me then, right? Like people were not talking about me, I don't think anyway, uh, because, I, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't show up. And, you know, I say show up often and it's, it's because if you're going to be there, you need to be there. Folks need to see you, folks need to hear you. They know, need to know what you're bringing to the table. And that just wasn't me then because I didn't have either a mentor to tell me, look, if you're going to be in this meeting, say something share feedback, you know, or, or ask for feedback on how you could be doing things differently, how you can get the exposure that you need. I was just comfortable showing up every day, doing my work, going home. And that's not what is going to get you where you need to be these days. So no, I was not uh, authentically unapologetic. Then I, that was a learned for me when I realized that early on in my career wasn't serving me to just kind of coast on autopilot through your career. So you showed up, but you didn't show up. 
like you there were compliant yeah. and you went yeah. in and you did your thing and you put your head down but people weren't talking about you so you weren't really being the powerful powerful you was there something did something specific happen sounds like a gradual realization did someone ha happened to you did something happen that yeah that shifted yeah. this for you I mean I I remember getting feedback during one of my reviews that I just you know as I mentioned I didn't seem engaged but there was something I I didn't really step into my voice until I left and I transitioned to a new role in a new organization where I then realized that I now felt like I had a community I felt like there were folks around me that uh that made me feel more comfortable that I I didn't feel um I felt like I, that I can be me. And so when I look back at it now, I kind of think of it as I probably needed a change, something that was kind of kind of like give me that shake up, that wake up that I needed. And so I remember interviewing uh, for a role and speaking to who, you know, the, the individual who had then became my boss. And I, and I have incredible relationships with folks that I've worked with I've reported to, I've worked alongside of, uh, or, or just leaders within company, I really have created a, a beautiful network of mentors or just folks that are, just give me great advice. And, I, and I'm really proud of that because every step since then in my career has been because someone that I have worked with in the past has asked me to come work with them or recommended me to to come work with them um, in some other capacity. So I remember being on an, an, you know, interviewing for a role at Burberry at the time. And I was speaking with my uh, my boss in the process. And we were talking about recruiting for the West Coast in California. And if anyone, if you're if you're not listening, if you're listening and you're not from the US, California is like a whole nother country within itself. <laughs> and she was telling me that I was going to be supporting California. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Because this is me with my proper inner critic, right? I What I was comfortable with telling you is what I'm not going to be good at doing. And so we're talking about California. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I've never done that. Don't have experience doing that. And don't think that this would be right for me. She's like, that's okay. I'm going to teach you. Ah. And I said, oh. And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me that's that she's actually she's willing to take a chance on me despite me telling this woman that I don't know that I cannot do that and I am not the right person she's like no no, no don't worry about that I will teach you and that was kind of the if you kind of had the, you know, the backdrop of my story there was if I didn't know how to do something I wasn't going to lead with, I don't know how to do that. It was, you know what, I'm going to figure this out. And so I ended up supporting almost every market in the U.S., including Canada, which I've never done before in my past role. And part of that was because I was in this environment where you're able to be entrepreneurial, you're able to be a little bit more scrappy, and folks are just going to roll with it and say, look, we'll get it done. We'll figure it out. And so that was probably the beginning stages of me stepping into my power, you know, feeling a level of comfort, feeling a level of confidence in my abilities and the work that I can do, as opposed to focusing on what I currently know at the moment. And so 
I think that that role or the that was the beginning stages of me being able to step into my power, if you will. Love that. So this was a hiring manager that said, whatever you you don't think you can do, I can teach you. I'll teach you. I mean, yeah, she was like, I'll teach so you. powerful. And and it, I'm thinking also for anyone listening here, because I know a lot of people are listening, um, are leaders themselves and hiring people all the time. And I think particularly to a young woman, what a powerful thing to change. I mean, it sounds like it changed your life that her saying, hey, you just told me you can't do it. Well, I believe in you and I'll teach you. Like just confidence in herself, confidence in you. Just like what a beautiful moment. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, how many times do women not apply for roles because they don't check every single box on the job description? But, you know, good. Well, a man will see the job description. <laughs> I can check half of those boxes, but let's go. I'm going to apply for this job. So this is me telling her verbally. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. She's like, that's fine. I got you. Yeah. And we need more of that. We need more of people. Yes, you want people that have the skill sets to do the job, but for things that are absolutely teachable, why not? Why so not? I just think I hope that everyone here will do that for someone else if they believe yeah. in them. And just say, yeah. hey, I can teach you that. You can learn that. Yeah. That's so good. Um you use the word community, and I know this is something mm. that's very important to you. I'm not I'm not sure I, I know what community means to you but I know it really matters what, is, yeah. what does it mean you said you come, came to this other company first of all it was a fresh start or, but like there was a community what does community mean to you yeah you know it it community for me is it's it's a different level of alignment it's a different level of comfort you know you get up every day and you show up and you go to work when you get up every day and you show up and you go to work and you see your folks and you see your people and you walk into that office and it's a different feeling. You walk into the office and you're like, hey, and you're like, tell me about this. And that is how I feel every day walking into work because we have a good time and we are a proper family. But th that is the difference than just walking in every day, doing your job and going home. Because you feel a, a, just, it's just a level of comfort there. You know, you all are working to a common goal. And, and I used to tell my team that that was the first place that I worked where I knew that if ever I was falling, there was always someone behind me that would show up and say, I got you. Because they're, they would just be behind me consistently and they just always had my back. And so that is for me, the difference between working somewhere and working somewhere where that is your community. And you know that when you have a community, you want to give back to your community. You want to cultivate your community. You want to uplift your community. And so when I speak passionately about somewhere that I have worked or folks that I have worked with or where I do work, naturally what you get is folks who want to join your community. And I'm in HR, so I need people to come and join us that want to be here, that want to be a part of what we're doing, that want to add to the great work that we're doing. And so there's a lot, a lot that goes into this word of community. But once you have found your people and this is your community, you want to come to work every day and you want to have a good time and you're going to do great work. 
So the power of showing up, not just for yourself, but also for others and others showing up for you, being there for mm-hmm. each other. So it's not a certain, it's 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 in the relationship, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah, and you build and you build and you build the relationship. And I can't tell you how many times I've had folks come and sit with me and sit in my office and they're like, you know, I've never came in and sat with HR before. I said, come anytime. <laughs> like, we're not just here to talk about problems. We can talk about anything. And I... And I want to create this, I want it to be, I don't want the stigma of, oh, so-and-so had a conversation with HR. No, this is, they're talking to Kareem and it's normal. It is absolutely normal uh, for you to want to have a conversation. Let's talk about your career. Let's talk about what we could be doing differently. Let's talk about how we could be supporting you. Let's talk about challenges that you're having and how we're going to help you navigate that. Let's talk about what's going to be potentially next. Let's talk about your wedding. Let's talk about your shoes. We, we're going to talk about everything. It is not just HR. You come to HR because you want to complain. And that is the space that I want to create for my team. And I think that that's what it needs to be for HR overall. It, like We are not personnel. We are not just processing pay stubs. We are not just here to get you paid. We're here to grow your career in the right way. So it's it's a different uh, way of thinking about uh, people, and 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 I and so I go back to the unapologetic, right? Uh, it's different than how I I knew or I knew HR to be when I started in my career so for me this is an evolution of did your parents move to the states to give you a better future was that the kind of yeah 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 absolutely uh that's exactly it so when folks say yeah go back back in a year and one years uh and they're like oh do you stay with family I don't have family that's still there that's close to me perhaps extended family I don't have family that's still still there because the majority of us are here but it's it was for that and uh you know we grew up in Jamaica very humble beginnings where my grandmother and my grandfather had a home and all the kids lived in that home and all the grandkids lived in that home and I don't know how I don't know how <laughs> it was not a massive I mansion I don't know it was three bedrooms and I don't know I, I think about it now and I'm like we made it work we and we are tight so it kind of works out uh but you know, it was very humble beginnings and she um uh, was a domestic um caretaker so she took care of other people's homes and took care of other people's children. And, uh, but she was a firm believer in education. And so we, that is something that's very important to my family. And so coming here uh, and getting an education and doing something meaningful with your life and, uh, you know, with your career is something that is a fabric of who we are. Um, And so, you know, whether you have folks my, you know, my aunt that was a teacher. And so she kind of continues to push that. Uh, and then she's not retired, but she continues to push that now and continues to push my grandmother's legacy. My grandmother passed away early last year. 
Uh, because we want to be able to, if we talk about the word community, we want to be able to give back in the way that we know that would be meaningful to her. So last year we started a foundation in her name. It's called in her name. It's called the Edna May Morris Foundation, where we give scholarships to uh, students in Jamaica from the church that she went to and that we grew up in. And this is the second year that we've done that. And part of that is um because it's important that her legacy continues to live on and that we continue to again foster the community that she was very much a part of and give back to that community and it's interesting because while I did not go this year and my my um, family and I went last year we didn't go this year to the ceremony that just happened last week uh and so we were watching the streaming live and we were hearing from the kids and so they go everywhere you know the ages are from elementary school. So you have kids that are five years old all the way through um, those that are in college. And they all came and talked about the scholarship that they receive and how it contributed to their life and to their families. And so when I talk about community, that is it, right? It's about cultivating something that, um, that you care for and that you want to see grow and flourish in the right way. And so it's been really meaningful seeing what we've done and what my family has done. And, and we don't, you know, we're not a 501c organization. If you're in the US, that means that you're a proper foundation and you can get okay. funding from, uh, you know, whether it be organizations or folks and um, from a tax standpoint, you are, Seen or a governmental standpoint, you're seen as a reputable uh, organization. We're not there yet. This is just homegrown from my family that's doing this uh, for my grandmother. So it really strikes me that Ed, Edna May, was Edna, that name? Edna, May. Edna mm -hmm. that you grew up with a matriarch. I mean, the way you're speaking about it is like, and, and so touching because here she was a homemaker and, mm -hmm. and helping other people look after their homes and and really showing up being of, of service and looking after their children and their homes and now there's a there's a foundation and a scholarship in her mm -hmm. in her name tell me about the power with which she showed up because she clearly wasn't just another childminder, a cleaner, whatever people might call that today. Like, tell me, tell me what you learned from, from this grandmother of yours, who sounds yeah. like she was a force. Yeah. I, I mean, she just always wanted more. She always wanted more for us. And so it's, um, you know, when, and, and we did a video last year, it was a video montage and my cousin had been recording over time He's just been recording her over time, the little things that she would say and little things that she would do. And there was one point in the video where she said, you know, education has always been important to me. So it was important, even though I didn't have it, it was important for my Aunt Patsy, for her to pay for her to go to school so that she could be a nurse. Or it's important for my Aunt Margot, even though she didn't have it, that for her to continue to pay for her education for her to continue to be a teacher. And so you see that that continued to per perpetuate throughout her grandkids and her great grandkids and so on and so forth. And she would, 
She didn't have a lot, um, but whatever she did have, she made something meaningful out of what she did have to give to people. And so when she would go home, she would, you know, she even if it's $20, she'd be like, oh, take this to so-and-so back in Jamaica. And I'm like, I'm looking at my mom, like, I don't know what $20 is going to do. Um, but she just always wanted to give a little and, and it it was meaningful to her and it meant a lot to her. And um yeah, she she was definitely a force. Uh she had a lot to say. Uh and she was quick with the mouth, but that's okay. Uh we we she was a special lady. She was definitely a special lady. Did you ever then feel a little pressure to perform? So here you are and your family's moving abroad. I can't remember you have siblings or how many you have, but, mm-hmm. but so, mm-hmm. you know, like you're being invested in and, and the uprooting, which sounds like maybe it's humble, but also full yeah. of love and life. And then you're moving to a very different type of world. Did you ever feel pressure then that you have to be something certain? I don't think so. And it's so interesting because a lot of Caribbean families, uh, when they do come here, they they have very high expectations of their children. And I don't think it's Caribbean families. I, I think when folks come here to a whole nother country because they this is the land of dreams, right? That they want you to be all that you can be and, and they're gonna push you towards that. I never felt that from my family, not from my mom, not from my dad. And it's interesting when I think back on their beginnings. And so I, you know, my my mom, as I mentioned and and her siblings all lived in the home with my grandmother and my grandfather but when i think back on my dad's beginnings which were quite different you know my my mother lived in a two family home my dad did not so there isn't you know he he doesn't have memories of a father he doesn't have memories of his mom actually actually the memory that he does have of his mom was his mom leaving him and taking his siblings and going to Canada and bringing them and left him oh, wow. uh, in Jamaica. And so, um, and he's definitely a self-made man. He tells us stories of him not having shoes and taking his uncle's shoes and stuffing his uncle's shoes and wearing his, his uncle's shoes to school because he didn't have it. Wow. And so when you get here, then you would think to your point that your parents would would say, you know, you all are going to do what you have to do because we did not come from a lot. Uh, but no, I didn't have that pressure at all. And, you know, my my mom has um, a son from a an, another marriage, her current marriage, and my dad has a son from another marriage. And so my sister and I are from my mom and my dad. Uh, but no, we've... I, We've never felt that pressure, but I think we have a in an innate drive uh, from an education standpoint. I think that we definitely have an innate drive. So I don't think my parents felt that they needed to do that. Uh, now they are quite, quite proud of us, and you know there are times that my dad will come to my house and he'll just sit and he'll just look around and then he'll look at me and uh, and he'll tell me. Like, I am so proud of what you've done for yourself. I'm so proud of what you and your family have accomplished. And uh, and so I feel it, but it, I didn't have that pressure. I never had that pressure. I was able to do what I needed to do and take the path that I wanted to take without feeling this sense of, 
whether guilt because I'm not achieving what my parents wanted me to achieve or how they wanted me to achieve it, they really allowed me to forge my own path. I think this is so incredibly striking and important, both as we talk about, you know, being mothers, raising uh, little humans, mm. but also mm-hmm. thinking about being leaders and yeah. creating a, a nourishing culture and environment. This bit, and I mean, it seems to me that it comes from, from also from from your grandma Edna that she she was happy to invest in others which she didn't have, but she didn't expect them then to go and look after her. It doesn't sound like she goes like, no. and now you owe me. You did what? Like there was no jealousy. There was no. I need something back. It is really the purest form of giving. I will give because I couldn't, I can't give it to myself, but I'll give it to you. Like it wasn't, Mm. I don't know. It's like a very pure, beautiful way of giving where it's not expecting something in return. And it sounds like that's also the way your parents made some choices, but they gave and you could receive it freely. There wasn't, it didn't come with pressure or conditions. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thing, Numi? I mean, you say it so nicely, Uh, but it really is. It really is. And I think that when I I hear you say that in that way, when I think back on my life, um, I've been surrounded by that. I have been truly surrounded by folks, whether it's my dad, who... uh, I call the mayor of his block in Brooklyn. Um, He is the block association president, but I do call him the mayor of his block because he just does so much for people that live within his community. He asks for nothing. Yeah. I mean, and he's, he's the kind of person that he sits outside and he'll say, you're not supposed to park there, but give me your keys and I'll park your car for you so that I'll get, I'll, I'll do what you need to do. I see you're running really quickly. You're not supposed to park here, but give me your keys. I'll take care of it. And I'll get, bring it back to you when I'm done. Wow. So like he, so he makes life, people's life easy. He's like, oh I'll my tell goodness. you the rules, the but time. I'll make it easy for you to follow them. All, all the time. Yes. Wow. Yes, exactly. And he's not saying, he's not saying it like that to them, but uh. <laughs> he, he does exactly what it is. And so, um, but there's nothing that's expected in return. Right. And so when I think about, uh, if I go back to the word community, when I think about that and I think about uh, folks that I know that want to just see folks thrive and succeed, it's this notion that we we often talk about, right? When you get through the door, you leave it open so that someone else can come behind you and that it's not closed because you made it in that you you want to be able to open leave it open so that you're welcoming others to show up right behind you and follow your path. And so you're not expecting anything. The goal is for us to be able to continue to uplift each other and make a space and make that path so that others don't necessarily need to stumble through these roadblocks that we had. Like move them out of the way. You made your way, move them out of the way so that others can come behind you and they can make their way as well. It's it's really extraordinary, this pure giving. And also, I mean, I have a whole online course on overgiving because that mm-hmm. shows up so much in my um in my field of work and in, in the coaching I do where people give, 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 but in a way that's unhealthy to them. It doesn't sound like it's unhealthy for your dad or for your mom or for anyone. It sounds like somehow where have they give where have they received from? Because they're not expecting to receive. 
was it by the i mean i i'm, I'm guessing that you also mentioned the church that it's like they they, they believe was it from the grace of god like because they yeah. must have been receiving to keep going because if you give without receiving it becomes unhealthy yeah i think you know my it depends on who you there's always there's this idea of someone who's done for me so i'm gonna do for someone else right i remember my dad's 60th birthday party he did this speech and he spoke about his boss and uh the fact that there would be so many things that um and they have a he's worked with her for gosh 20 20 something years so a very very long time he's actually at the point now where he needs to retire uh but he has this affinity towards her and they have a very special relationship and she did that for him so she he was young he was in his 20s um when he initially had a um connection to someone like that and so having this relationship with this individual where they've given to you selfishly selflessly uh it 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 motivates you to do that for others and so i think that there's you know people make a massive difference in other people's lives right we go back to that that interview that I had where uh, I was like, no, 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 I can't do that. And she's like, no, 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 I'll teach you. And so it's little things make a big difference and they go a long way. And we really should be doing that. We really should be looking to have big, small impact on people because it builds, it builds. But there's this notion of now you now you pass it up. And that's really how it should be. So true. And I, I also think there are certain times where we have more power to do something yeah. for people's lives. So I'm very conscious that if I just meet someone on the street, what I say won't carry as much weight as in when I'm in a coaching situation or when I'm, sure. you know, running a leadership program and I'm in there and I'm observing. And then I get to say something to someone about what I see in them. And it carries a very different weight than if we just met randomly and had a random conversation because we were stuck in the queue in the airport, wouldn't have had yeah. the same weight. So that bit of when you're sitting there interviewing someone and I get to vote whether you're worth while to be hired mm -hmm. here and mm -hmm. I go I believe in you I can teach you um mm -hmm. there are moments where we get to have more power more influence and more chances but I mean when your dad's just going I'll park your car you'll make it it's like I want to invite your dad over come help me <laughs> he's a good time I will tell you that he is he is the life of the party when when we have events at my home people are like where's your dad they're like waiting for him to show up he's like I'm like my party why is he get a grand entrance yeah he no he's the life of the party but that but that is it knew me right and I remember conversations that we had uh a few years back and I didn't understand the true the true meaning of inner critic until we had our connection and that voice that just continues to talk to you and it wasn't I didn't really cultivate that understanding that landed with me that I can then really impart on other folks until we had uh, our connection in that way. And so, yes, you, you are in a very powerful role where you are changing lives all the time, but wherever we can just impart a little bit of insight and knowledge and, you know, it goes a long way. There's a beautiful 
there's a line from my book and I can't remember exactly where I heard it, but it was about, it was actually about someone that you don't like, um, which is like, give the other person a great reputation to live up to. Mm. But what I try to do when I'm at my best for sure in my coaching and hopefully also at times in my personal life is see the best in the person. Um, And, you know, we all have days when the inner critic is running the show, but that bit of like seeing the best in the person, seeing how great they could become and reflecting that to them as much as we just want to do that for ourselves. It's very powerful when others that somehow have worth or positional power to us when they reflect that and do that for us for no for no without a vested interest Mm -hmm. that that is incredibly incredibly powerful we're coming towards the end of our conversation there's so much more we could talk about um I do have a very important question before I get to that if anyone so I I feel like we haven't talked about girl wonder I know you're a board advisor you're doing so many great things if anyone want to connect with you on any of the topic is LinkedIn the best place is there other places if they want to give to Edna Mace um, oh, we need to be certified so I you know I always get that question I'm like just wait we're almost there we're almost finalized and then I'll be able to share more publicly as to how folks can contribute we did just close off this scholarship season so we're actually done yeah. for 2023 but we'll start up for next year my aunt if my aunt ever listens to this she'd be like no we've been doing it on our own we need more help and so but no I want <laughs> I'm very structured in that way. I want us to be buttoned up and I want us to be finalized. And so more and more to come on that, but I could, folks can definitely connect with me on LinkedIn and I'm always open to growing my network. Very good. Very good. So the the final question I want to ask you, what three pieces of advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah. Ooh, to my younger self, to my younger self. Um, yeah. And I and I started to say this, right? That a a little goes a a long way. Uh and and so I think that I don't think my younger self was as involved from a community standpoint or giving back, but I didn't really understand that at that time. But now that I'm here, that will always be something that I will do. But if I if I had to think back on what else to share with, you know, younger Kareem, I think it would be that my voice matters, right? I, I think back to, I didn't have the confidence to utilize my voice. So I would say my voice matters or your voice matters. Uh, I would also say that you deserve to be here because I think that there were many times that I didn't think that I deserved to be where I was, whether that was because of something that was said to me or that was, uh, or because I didn't feel a sense of community or I didn't see others that looked like me. And I guess to close that out, I would also say you belong because this idea of belonging is, so critical that when you feel a sense of belonging to something or someone or an organization, you you give so much more and you just want to contribute in the right way. And that for me is you showing up authentically unapologetic. Beautiful. I can keep talking. Now I just want to hang out with your whole family <laughs> and you and you. You should come <laughs> hang out with us. We, we, we are fun. We have a good time and we, we do. 
Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, Numi, thank you. This has been great. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified every time there's a new episode. And I would so love it if you would write a quick review as that really helps others to find and trust the podcast. You can do that at lovethepodcast.com forward slash FIP. And remember, no matter what's going on around you, it only takes a single breath to start grounding back into your power. So let's take a breath. Feel your power and go spread the magic. <laughs>